Today is Friday, January 6, 2023. Matt Gates nominates Donald Trump for House Speaker, throwing Washington, D.C. into panic. Vote enters 12th ballot amid reports that Kevin McCarthy cut deal with opposition, and Biden unveils his solution for an open border. A smartphone app. <laughs> That's going to work, kids. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. Welcome, welcome, and good morning, absolute bedlam and chaos, and gut checks for our powerful elite in Washington, D.C., the same powerful elite that allowed for January 6th to happen. Now, what do you, what do I mean by that? Now, I'm not going to do a show on January 6th, but I am just going to say one or two things off the top here, that January 6th was a functional, structural failure. It was a security failure. Now, I have seen the documents myself, and I know the people who worked for Donald Trump, Cash Patel's one of them, and he's a friend of the show, who said that they wanted to deploy the National Guard to the U.S. House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate, the Congress. Now, the National Guardsmen are not people you mess around with. National Guardsmen essentially occupied my neighborhood during the Antifa BLM riots. So Donald Trump ordered them to occupy Washington, D.C., and you have all those that, that footage of National Guardsmen guarding our monuments, guarding the White House, guarding uh, the, the, the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, yo, let me tell you a little something. You do not step on those boys, all right? You ain't going to step on those guys. You're not going to approach them. Those are some jacked individuals. They are teched out and geared out and they are ready for war, literal war. They are sophisticated and trained and ready to go. I have seen the National Guard deploy up close. I lived on Capitol Hill. So if you would have deployed the National Guard, which Donald Trump wanted to do on January 6th, I also happened to be at Donald Trump's speech that morning. I was an invited guest. I sat there. I listened to what Donald Trump had to say. Donald Trump, of course, didn't inspire or instigate an insurrection. He said everyone should march peacefully. Then he tweeted, march peacefully. Then he tweeted, don't attack cops. Why are you attacking cops? What the hell are you doing? And then I looked to my right and I saw Alex Jones turn white as a sheet when he realized what was going on, jump up from his chair, actually kick over his chair, and then sprint across a field with the Secret Service chasing him because Alex Jones was going to go. Alex Jones realized what was at hand. What was going on? And all the men in earpieces inside of this rally got going, okay? And they did their thing. But they would have never been able to accomplish that if Nancy Pelosi had allowed the National Guard. And Ashley Babbitt would still be with us today. So I want to devote this to show and remember the life of Ashley Babbitt, who herself served her country as a veteran and was caught up in the melee and is the only person who died on January 6th, a Trump supporter. She was shot without warning, an execution, a political execution. That's exactly what happened to Ashley Babbitt, and we remember her. Nancy Pelosi, uh, there are also reports that the Capitol Police was at half staff and half force on that morning. We also have no idea who dropped pipe bombs in front of the DNC and the RNC. Who is that person exactly? We would sure like to find out, but we have no information. We have no information on these things. It gets more and more curious as you read the RNC, I'm sorry, as you read the January 6th committee transcript for Ray Epps. What? Ray Epps texted his nephew that he organized it January 6th, the only guy on camera, saying we need to go into the Capitol? What? This is just like the Kennedy assassination. And this is how it always works, these mop-up jobs from the deep state. The Fed surrection, as Darren Beatty calls this, has more Questions, then answers. And that's how you know something is amiss here. And it would sure be nice to get a House speaker 
to start revealing the information that we don't know about January 6th. Like, why were the doors so easily breachable? I, I've been in the Capitol a bunch of times. Uh, let me let me tell you a little something. Uh, it's not easy to get into that building. Um, why was the National Guard not deployed? Donald Trump offered and told Nancy Pelosi to deploy the National Guard. Here you go. Here is the authorization. 20,000 troops. As somebody who's had the National Guard roll through, literally roll through my neighborhood in armored vehicles and secure monuments and buildings essentially in the vicinity of my home in Washington, D.C., you do not F around with these guys. The National Guard were there. Nothing would have happened. So what did happen? Having a good Speaker of the House would actually tell us what happened. And maybe if we had had a Republican Speaker of the House, well, then Ashley Babbitt would still be alive and with us today. And so many, many lives that were utterly and summarily destroyed as political prisoners inside of the third world oligarchy dictatorship that the Biden regime is overseeing. Well, maybe they would be with us today or maybe they would be free today and not have been utterly and totally completely atomized by these evil people who did not act to prevent this from happening. So the Speaker of the House position is a very important position. Nancy Pelosi said no to the National Guard. Nancy Pelosi uh, allegedly had the Capitol Police at half staff. So, yes, the Speaker of the House, very important position. And Nancy Pelosi herself was filming a documentary on that day. Oh, how convenient. Yes. So that is why this race for Speaker of the House, we have been covering it. The TikTok of this moment is very, very important to us, our movement and the people who fight in it. So who is one of the biggest fighters for this movement? Well, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump yesterday made history by being nominated as Speaker of the House by Matt Gates. That's right. Matt Gates got up in front of the House and said, Donald John Trump, when asked who he wished to be Speaker of the House. This, of course, marking history, John Quincy Adams being the only other president to have been nominated for Speaker of the House after being president. Watch. Harvey. McCarthy. Fulcher. McCarthy. Gates. Donald John Trump. Trump. Gallagher. Hmm. Rabble, 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 rabble. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, during this section, you got to get me the photo of Marjorie Taylor Greene and how she looks at Matt Gates after that. Did you see that? You see that? Marjorie. Oh, Marjorie. Come on. Come on. Everyone knows Matt Gates is already in love with AOC. We've seen the photos. Man, get you, get you a man. Get you a man who can do both, baby. Matt Gates went on to explain why he nominated Donald Trump for presidency. Check it out. For what purpose does the gentleman from Florida rise? To place a name and nomination for the position of Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. My friends, when Donald Trump was president, taxes were cut, regulations were slashed, energy was abundant, wages were rising, capital was returning from overseas to fund the dreams and ambitions of our fellow Americans, and the economy was roaring. What a contrast to what we have seen from this administration now. And so I rise to nominate Donald Trump for the position of Speaker of the House, and for all of the vitriol that we hear from the media and at times the left, there were great moments of bipartisanship under the Trump presidency. 
And the Democrat nominee for speaker knows that well because he led valiantly on the efforts for criminal justice reform, and I was honored to join him. And I know no matter who's sitting in that speaker chair, we got a lot of work to do on that very issue. We took a first step, but there's a second step and a third step to take. And I'm glad that we were able to work with President Trump, with Republicans, and with Democrats to provide real outcomes for Americans to create greater prosperity and more opportunity. Man, get you a woman who looks at you like this when you nominate Donald Trump for Speaker of the House. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> this is such a great meme. This this is a meme right there. That's that's the look of true love. True love is what Matt Gates has for Donald Trump. Donald Trump should have known this was coming because almost a year ago, Matt Gates announced that he will be nominating Donald Trump for the Speaker of the House position. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. How was 2022 on your finances? Probably not great. And it's not your fault. Our government is spending way too much money and giving that money to the dumbest people. They passed a $1.7 trillion omnibus package on Christmas Eve just to spite you, to insult you, and to tell you that they don't care about you. So maybe this is the year that you should start caring about your savings and securing your financial goals. When you've finally had enough the games that the government is playing with your savings and retirements, you should diversify into gold, birch gold. I'm tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by our leaders in Washington. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can get in now. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account today. Birch gold makes it so easy to convert your IRA or 401k into precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word Benny to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals, Birch Gold can help you. Text Benny to 989898 today and go gold in the new year 2023. Matt Gates told us what he was about to do. This should come as absolutely no surprise. Listen to Matt flashback to March of 2022. There is no greater country than America. There is no greater president than Donald J. Trump. And if you don't mind me saying so, there is not a better member of Congress than Marjorie Taylor Greene. Give us the ability to fire Nancy Pelosi, take back the majority, impeach Joe Biden, and I'm going to nominate Donald Trump for Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Well, that was interesting. Well, that was interesting. Same thing that Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying right there. Well, that was interesting. Marjorie Taylor Greene, well, that was interesting, Matt. Hello, Matt. How you be during? My name is MTG. And this meme is not the only one that is created by Donald Trump being nominated for House Speaker Making History. Donald Trump shared his own meme. Take a look. Donald Trump posted this on Truth Social, a photo of him making a funny expression at Joe Biden. <laughs> Also, don't, don't, don't at me. Don't at me, libs, because your Speaker of the House actually tore up Donald Trump's speech. You guys all remember? You got to tear it up. 
Nancy Pelosi tearing it up, tore up the speech. So don't at me when it comes to decorum or when it comes to the institutional, the institutional sovereignty of this position. Yeah, y'all destroyed it. Okay, you destroyed it. And so why not put Trump in there? Why not? Why not? Trump's really popular. And Trump's sharing this meme. Once again, this is Donald Trump having a good old time with this meme. Now, members of Trump's team have been sharing memes about this and soft endorsing this idea. That's why we're saying they're endorsing it. If Donald Trump is sharing this meme about it, that's de facto endorsement. Here's another meme that team Trump shared. Check it out. Fulcher. Gates. Trump. Okay. All right. So what else has been going on here? Very, very interesting. Donald Trump has been asked about this on the record. Donald Trump was asked during an interview, will you become Speaker of the House? If nominated, would you accept this position? Now, Donald Trump has announced his run for president in 2024. So you'd have to assume that there would be some major conflicts of interest there. I don't think there's anything illegal about holding both positions, doing both at the same time. It would be very difficult. It'd be a large workload. I don't there, there's certainly nothing illegal about Donald Trump holding this position. You do not have to be a member of the House to be House Speaker. The, those are the rules. So you can nominate anyone you wish to be House Speaker. Donald Trump was asked, hey, will you become Speaker of the House? Here's his answer. Uh, on 2024, you've always been asked these 2024 questions. I know you're getting tired of it. So there's been talk now about you becoming Speaker of the House in 2022. Is that something that you would seriously even consider? Or can you say right here, right now that you don't have any interest in that? Well, I've heard the talk, and it's getting more and more, uh, but uh, it's not something that I would have uh, considered, but it is certainly there's a lot of talk about it. I have a good relationship with Kevin, and uh, hopefully we will do everything traditionally. But uh... So Donald Trump does have a good relationship with Kevin. Now, I picked up my little hot phone here, and I'm quite close with Team Trump, and I did a number of phone calls yesterday to find out what their thoughts are on this. And let me tell you that Team Trump did not tell me that Donald Trump would not take this position. In fact, according to my phone calls with the people who are working directly with Donald Trump right now, they were very, very curious about how this is going to shape up. They are interested in this position. Now, does that mean that they're advocating for it or jockeying for it or trying to get it? Uh, No, I guess. Does that mean that they called Matt Gates and are like orchestrating this to happen? Donald Trump hard endorsed Kevin McCarthy. All caps, he said, Kevin McCarthy, he's my boy. But Donald Trump's team is very curious about this position and are interested in watching this very, very closely. Not a single person told me, no, we would never take that. We're very upset that this is happening. Not a single person on Trump's team. And this is, of course, not just through my private conversations with Team Trump, but also in public. Check this out. Here's a tweet from Liz Harrington, who's the official spokesperson for Donald Trump. So Liz Harrington, official spokesperson for Donald Trump, retweeted, retweeted the idea that Donald Trump should be Speaker of the House. Check it out. There's the retweet right there. So that's a de facto endorsement. Once again, Liz Harrington, who's the voice of Donald Trump, is sharing that Donald Trump should be Speaker of the House. Matt Gates, of course, saying, let's go to that. It gets better. Matt Gates sharing an image of what Donald Trump would look like as speaker. Do you want to see it? Ben Jacobs, a good reporter uh, who I know personally had this to say. Gates cast second vote for Donald John Trump. Trump is now tied with John Quincy Adams as the most speaker votes cast for a former president. Adams received two votes 
1835 speaker's election. So Donald Trump officially, officially made history. Former president getting voted in as speaker of the house. I don't think John Quincy Adams won that one. Will Donald Trump win this one? Well, we're on vote number 12 for Kevin McCarthy. So what's happening here? We'll see. We'll see what's going on. Uh, producer, executive producer of the show, ALX, tweeted this very interesting MSNBC clip uh, 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 with Matt Gates responding to his ideas. Here's a- ALX saying that Donald Trump, have a look. Have a look at this. I don't know. Can we make this the graphic bigger? They are adding Donald Trump's face to this. So MSNBC now officially see that they're officially putting Trump up, Trump's face up on the board against McCarthy. (laughs) What timeline do we live in? It's amazing. Matt Gates saying there's no way, nothing, not all the king's men and all the king's horses could make him vote for Kevin McCarthy. Have a listen. You did get a number of concessions that I'm not sure if I were on the other side, I would have given you, but a number of concessions from McCarthy, an attempt to get, you know, to 218. So he lowered the threshold of the votes required to begin uh, the process of removing himself as speaker. Just one person, one member of the conference can do it now. And to keep, uh, he also agreed to keep uh, his own pack out of GOP primaries and also to add more Freedom Caucus members to the House Rules Committee. And I understand he also signed on to a separate approval process for earmarks and allowed floor votes on term limits for members and specific border policy legislation. What else do you require that he do or agree to before Matt Gates will say, okay, I'm on board? I wouldn't be betting on uh, my vote for Kevin McCarthy under almost any circumstance, but it's important to note that all of those so it's points personal, you just then. presented. Wait, wait, hold, on, hold, on. hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, that's personal then. You, no, you no, just no. made this very principled point. No, no, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I am, I'm a man of principle and I believe in X, Y, and Z, but if he gives me X, Y, and Z, I'm not going to vote for him. What? Well, here's the, How does no, that no, no. make Here, sense? Here's how it makes sense, Laura. Kevin McCarthy is the masthead of the lobby corps, and I resent the extent to which Kevin McCarthy utilizes the lobbyists and the special interests to be able to dictate how political decisions are made, how policy decisions are made, and how leadership decisions are made. Kevin McCarthy has been in the leadership for 14 years, and he has sold shares of himself to special interests, to political action committees, and so that's why I don't think he is an appropriate choice. So Matt Gates is being pushed back upon by Laura Ingram for saying he will never vote for Kevin McCarthy. He is a never Kevin. Are you a never Kevin? Are you a pro-Trump for speaker? Again, and we'll play it for you one more time. Here's history in the making. Donald Trump being nominated. Only the uh, the only other president, John Quincy Adams, uh, John Quincy Adams in 1835 to be nominated for Speaker of the House. History in the making. Watch. McCarthy. Fulcher, McCarthy, Gates, Donald John Trump, Trump, Gallagher. Panic in D.C. Is that what this looks like? Is that what this looks like? Is that what is that what this will come down to? That Donald Trump will become the consensus candidate, and he will be the person that everyone can get behind on this. Many of these people have endorsed them. Many of these people owe their political lives to Donald Trump. Do you want to see Donald Trump as Speaker of the House? Do you want to see him wield the sweet golden gavel? 
What would that look like? What kind of a January 6th investigations would we get then? And by the way, if you believe in the politics of pain, which I do, if you believe in the politics of pain and vengeance, which I do, I'm a Christian. And so in my Christian life, I will be Christian in the way I raise my family, the way I raise my kids. But I believe in the politics of pain because politics is a war zone. Politics is, is war. Politics is pain. And so why not put Donald Trump in charge of the January 6th committee? It's a good question. Why not allow Donald Trump to look through all of the investigations for January 6th and all of the evidence? And why not allow Donald Trump to release all of the January 6th evidence? Why not take Donald Trump's old Twitter account and just turn it in to a truth and reconciliation? Today is January 6th, after all. Why not turn it into a truth and reconciliation account for what actually happened? I'll be, I'll be okay with that. I'm just asking questions. There's nothing wrong with skepticism. In fact, skepticism is a prerequisite to the truth. And so let's find out the truth. Would you want to see Donald Trump directly in charge of a new January 6th investigation and Donald Trump in charge of the FBI investigations into the FBI? I certainly would. I certainly would. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the saga of will Donald Trump become speaker uh, continues apace. And uh, we we would be remiss if we did not play our, our favorite meme from this moment just once more. Matt Gates nominating Donald Trump meme version. Fulcher. Gates. Trump. <laughs> Come on. At least we can have fun. At least we can have fun here. All right. We're going to have fun with this. This, I mean, this, this is politics, baby. Rumble in the jungle. Let's go. Let's go. Stick it to the swamp. We're ready to rumble. We're ready to go. We got no glass jaws around here. We got bare knuckles. We got fists. Ready to brawl. Politics is pain. Let's go. And Donald Trump's going to find out uh, that a number of people, and this is going to be very painful. I know this because I know them. Donald Trump's going to find out that a number of people from his administration are going to run for president against him. Breaking news literally this hour. John Bolton has announced he will run for president against Donald Trump. This is happening. John Bolton, you remember the mustachioed, he looks like the guy out of the Pink Panther, right? Giant, giant brush mustache. Look like a sweeper, you know, or the street, the street sweeper out of the Pink Panther. John Bolton said through a mustache. So I will do my best impression of John Bolton. I'm going to run for president. Run for president. John Bolton saying he's going to run for president. Go. John Bolton has exclusively told Good Morning Britain he wants to become the next president of the United States. What would a John Bolton America look like if you were commander in chief? I would get in to win the nomination and I would do it. Uh, primarily on the basis that we need a much stronger foreign policy. I think Trump's support within the party itself uh, is in terminal decline. What would you say to your critics who will obviously watch this interview and they will say, OK, listen, John, you simply don't have the experience. Well, I wouldn't run as a vanity candidate. Uh, if, if I didn't think I could run seriously, then, then I wouldn't get in the race. Hey, baby, this is happening. The politics of pain. There are at least five members of Donald Trump's administration that wish to run against him for president. John Bolton is now officially running. John Bolton is running. Donald, John Bolton was NATSEC advisor for Donald Trump for multiple years, leaked to the press nonstop. John Bolton is running for president. Mike Pompeo wants to run for president. Nikki Haley wants to run for president. Mike Pence wants to run for president. You have a large subsection of Donald Trump's previous administration that wants to run for president against him, maybe even more. Who knows? I'm telling you, stay tuned. And by the way, please, if you haven't already subscribed, subscribe to this channel. 
We are going to do nothing but grind out 2024. We are going to get exclusive interviews behind the scenes. We are going to be invited to the most private events, and we will bring you with us. We will insist on it. It's a prerequisite for us that you, the audience, comes in and sees. And we will try our damnedest to just give you the straight dish. We will hit the bricks for you. So subscribe. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And please subscribe to these channels so that you get the notifications when we're live. Let's break the algorithm, break the matrix together. And then we promise, our promise to you is that we will bring you the content that you deserve to have, the knowledge that you deserve to have. And we will do it without trying to push you one way or the other. I have not endorsed anyone. And I'm trying my level-headed best to just be honest with you about what's going on. And then I'll, I'll show you and then you can decide, right? I'll show you. We'll bring you there. We'll physically bring you there. All right. This team, we are building and expanding and it's awesome. It's all thanks to you. So we say thank you. John Bolton, president. What do you think? He worked for George W. Bush. That went great. Bolton has been a fixture of Republican administrations for decades, serving as Ronald Reagan's assistant attorney general and as uh, George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush. Okay, awesome. Great. Boy, he helped run the Iraq war. What a hero. Truly. Everything went great there. Everything's 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 fine. Yeah. Okay. so John Bolton is in. This is going to happen. This is going to happen a lot. Under Trump, he served from April 2018 to 2019 as National Security Advisor. Two years, he overlooked the potential Secretary of State uh, because the GOP president didn't like his mustache, insiders said. This is according to the article. So Donald Trump didn't like John Bolton's mustache. And so Donald Trump didn't let him be Secretary of State. Okay. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of superficial reasons to not like people. Their skin color is a bad one. However, racist in the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party racists, who it is a really unbelievable group of like a hive of villainy. As you watch the Democrat Party caucus, like wobble around on the floor and you see people like Cori Bush and Rosa DeLauro uh, uh, and Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff. And you realize like what a giant pile of degenerates, what a clown show this party is. And Cori Bush, who is just such a embarrassment and her district is an embarrassment. I'm going to go to her district. I'm going to expose exactly what's going on inside of Cori Bush's district. She lives inside of like she lives inside of like the, the most dangerous, crime-riddled, decrepit district in St. Louis, the most drug-abusing, unsafe district in all of St. Louis. Cori Bush represents I think Ferguson, Missouri, where all the riots happened a couple of years ago. Cori Bush had this to say about Byron Donalds who was nominated for Speaker of the House. Byron Donalds, a member of the Freedom Caucus. Cori Bush's tweet saying essentially that Byron Donalds who is black, he's also from Florida. Uh Cori Bush saying for what it's worth, Byron Donalds is not a historic candidate for speaker. He's a prop, calling a black person a prop. Got it? Despite being black, he supports policy agenda that intent on upholding and perpetuating white supremacy. Why don't you define that for me, will you, Corey? Why don't you define uh, when Byron Donalds has upheld white supremacy? Give me a definition. Why don't you define? Why don't you give me an example? Cite the date, time, and place. His name being in the mix is not progress. It's pathetic. You know what's pathetic, Corey Bush, is that I've been in your district multiple times. I'm going to expose you. We're coming for you. Corey, we're coming for you. We're going to go to your district and we're going to tell the story of the lives of the people inside of your district and what you have wrought, what you have overseen inside of your little Missouri district, inside of the worst, most decrepit, most drug riddled, most dangerous district possibly in America. Cory Bush, a dangerous person, a committed Marxist and a racist. Cory Bush found a black life that didn't matter. It's Byron Donald's. 
disgusting, disgusting individuals. Don, Byron, Byron Donalds had this to say after being nominated for Speaker of the House, which, by the way, we totally endorse. We think it's great. You should totally have Speakers of the House, not from California, but from Florida. If it's a Republican majority, elect Speakers of the House that come from places that are Republican so that they are in line and in tune with the desires of their constituencies in the base, right? Elect people from Republican states. That just seems like common sense. Byron Donalds was asked about these kind of threats that Cory Bush is making here, calling him a prop, calling him a white supremacist. Here's what he had to say. You worried about retribution after the fact there was threats that folks that weren't going to vote for McCarthy would be kicked off committees. Now you put yourself in a, in a pretty public position opposing who, the person that could be, be the speaker. Are you worried about retribution? Man, I'm 6'2", 275. I'm not worried about that. Yo, boy, boy. Yeah, that kind of energy. That's the kind of energy you want a speaker of the house. Byron Donald's in his second term. Don't think he's going to be speaker. Um, he's got a little ways to go. We love Byron Donald's though. Byron Donald should be speaker someday. If that day is today, fine by me. I like Byron Donald's a lot. Byron Donald's was defended vociferously from the floor. A member of Congress named Dan Bishop went hard in the paint at Cory Book for this racist attack on Byron Donald's. Last night, I sat within feet of Mr. Donald's as the tweet of another member-elect appeared on the screen. That member-elect wrote and sent out to America that Byron Donald's is a prop. I've spent a good bit of time with Mr. Donald's, especially lately. He ain't no prop. And if he were a prop, he wouldn't be sitting where he's sitting. This is the tired, old, grotesquely racist rhetoric that we've seen far too long. So let's define racism, please. So they wouldn't be able to define white supremacy, but I'll define racism for you. Racism is judging someone by the color of their skin and then making a measure of their humanity based on the color of that skin. Now, the color of your skin comes from thousands of years of your ancestors and their proximity to the equator. That's just the way that God designed your body. So actually being a racist like Cori Bush and like so many Democrats who judge people by the color of their skin, that's the basis of diversity, right? Is how much melanin you have in your skin. Meaning where did your grandfather's grandfather's grandfather come from in relation to the equator? So they're judging people. This is Nazi science, by the way. This is just Nazi science, just repackaged as wokeism. There are so few measured delineations between the woke and the, the horrific racists of a bygone era. Genocidal. I mean, their policies are so close in tune that they are a, a comical. Judging someone by their ancestry, blood libel. These people are, they, they are reviving old Nazi policies and propaganda. That's what they're doing. This is what this type of this type of this type of policying this type of policy is based and rooted directly in that style of racist thinking. So Cory Bush and the low information left who is 
always trying to look for some type of degenerative way to judge humanity instead of saying what we say as Christians, which is God created life. All life matters. All lives matter. The spark of life is precious for everyone, no matter who you are, what you look like or where you come from. And all of that life needs to be protected. The end. That's actually being progressive. That's being progressive. These people are regressive. And they're being called out on it by someone who's very progressive, Anna Polina Luna, who's the youngest uh, member of Congress, I think the youngest uh, member of Congress and uh, elected a Latina from, I think, where Royce, I think where Royce lives. Uh, and Royce is running the show. Proud Cuban himself. Anna Polina, also Cuban. And this is one of her first speeches from the House floor. I think she has a bright future ahead of her. Listen. But I want to clarify something real quick to my colleagues across the aisle. What you're seeing with this, this discussion does not mean that we are dysfunctional. And in no way, shape or form will a Democrat ever hold the gavel to a Republican controlled house. These discussions and dialogues has, have actually been good for the American people. And although the media tries to pit us against each other, I can tell you that it's been something that we need as a country. There are people that are frustrated with this process. Byron, through this entire time, has done something that I think most leaders should do more of, and that is listen. Respect people when they're talking. Understand the needs of the American people. Be willing to take negotiations, but also to, to realize when is a proper time to stand your ground on certain things. I asked my colleagues today to support him. I think he's an incredible representation of what this country is, and that is exactly why he has my vote for Speaker of the House. So Anna Paulina Luna is from Pinellas County here in Florida, Clearwater, St. Pete's. She won the previous district that was occupied by Charlie Crist, of all people, <laughs> who got his ass handed to him by Ron DeSantis by 20 points in this gubernatorial election. And so Anna Paulina Luna, a star in the making and standing firm. She is voting against McCarthy and has voted against McCarthy every single time. That shows some real brass Real brass for a freshman member of Congress. Wow. Wow. So uh, listen, Kevin McCarthy, things aren't going great. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Kevin McCarthy, things are not going great. And while there is some light at the end of the tunnel, um, he's still losing. Leader McCarthy lost a historic 11th round ballot. Speaker of the House on Thursday evening. Longest such battle since 1859. No speaker's vote has gone on this long in U.S. political history. Uh, since then, in 1856, House Speaker Nathaniel Pence Banks, two, it took him two months and 133 rounds of voting to become speaker. But this was in the Civil War. So not since the Civil War. So it's the longest Stretched record since Reconstruction. The 11th round saw McCarthy allies fail to move the needle in the battle GOP uh, leaders vote. One of the Republican uh, detractors, Matt Gates, nominated by uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> A symbolic move. Although, again, Donald Trump really loves it. Uh, nominations went as expected with McCarthy's name back in the ring alongside Democrat leader H Hakeem Jeffries. Never Kevin Republicans. Bob Good stood to nominate new Republican study uh, committee chairman Kevin Hearn, they're kind of nominating, you know, they're kind of like not not coalescing around a single candidate. They're like kind of nominating people at will. It's become 
it's become a fun game. Kevin McCarthy says that he's not going to put a timeline. He's not going to put a timeline on this uh, and that they're working very closely with this caucus. And we have some insider information that this that, that they are going to be able to flip enough seats today to get Kevin McCarthy the speakership. We'll see voting commences in uh, about 20 minutes from now. Uh, but McCarthy has said essentially that he is not going to be putting a timeline uh, on when these votes can uh, can be cast and when he will be able to win these votes. Here's Kevin McCarthy yesterday. Guys, no, no, I'm not putting any timeline. I just think we've got some progress going on. We've got members talking. Uh, I think we've got a little movement, so we'll see. Have you had to walk back the threats that you're strip committee assignments we're, from we're these not, members? We're not strip. I didn't make those. Threats. Was that a mistake to make that threat? I didn't make that. Mike threat. Rogers did. Yeah. Well, you're saying I made the threat, so let's be very clear. I did not make the threat, and no members are not going to lose their committee assignments. Do you think How long do you think this sir? is going to drag out for at this point? I'd love to know, but we're working through, and we made good progress today, so we'll continue to talk. Did you? So McCarthy, cool, calm. Confident and looking forward. We'll see. What do you think? Should Kevin McCarthy become speaker? Does he deserve it? Tucker Carlson had an incredible monologue last night uh, as it pertains to what's going on here in the House, essentially saying that the, the 20 congressmen who are holding out are heroes because they're holding Kevin McCarthy's feet to the fire. They're causing the establishment to panic. That when you reward failure, that you don't have a democracy, you have an oligarchy, and that it's about time that elected representatives do what their constituents want them to do, which their constituents hate the establishment GOP. We hate Leader McConnell. We hate Romney McDaniel, who runs the RNC. And a lot of people don't like Kevin McCarthy. And a lot of people believe that all of those three are institutional failures who do not have your interests or my interests in mind. It's time they start to listen up. So democracy actually looks exactly like what you're seeing inside of the House. This is precisely what should be happening. These are the organs of government working and you horse trade and you figure out a common ground. You don't make threats like Dan Crenshaw calling them terrorists, saying they're the enemy. What pricks? What 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 like extremely low T energy? No, you actually kumbaya with these people. That's politics, baby. Politics is pain. You don't get everything you want. And there's no such thing as divine right to rule in this country. And so it's actually very good. Because what Kevin McCarthy will learn after all of this is a little humility. He will feel the pain and the angst and the anxiety of um, the Republican base. And he will be more attuned to the fact that it is not his right to rule. It is his privilege. And that privilege stems from us, we, the people. So right now there is a deal in the works. Deal reportedly in writing for GOP rebels to back McCarthy as speaker. Uh, this is a deal that has been struck by Tom Emmer. Uh, it's happening right now. Kevin McCarthy heads to an astonishing 11th failed attempt to be elected as speaker. Reports are emerging that a deal has been struck between the California congressman and a block of lawmakers who've kept the gavel out of his hands. Freedom Caucus members Ralph Northam Norman said on Thursday that there's an agreement in writing that needs to be reviewed this according to Punchbowl News. Uh, the deal reportedly being reviewed in the office of Tom Emmer, where Republican lawmakers from both factions met last night over pizza after voting to adjourn. Source close to McCarthy confirmed that to Reuters that the deal's on the table, but it won't put him over the vote threshold needed to be elected as Speaker of the House. Interesting. Sources told Reuters that it is possible 
to give McCarthy an additional 10 to 12 votes from the holdouts. Well, that would effectively be enough, very close at least. This is phase one and a plan to generate steam for McCarthy to allow him to turn uh, to turn some other anti-McCarthy lawmakers. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is super based, tweeted this yesterday saying essentially, hey, hold on. Good things are coming. Hold out a little bit longer. Marjorie Taylor Greene saying uh, we got this and that things are things are working out for us. Now, again, this is healthy. This is good. And this should happen every single speaker's vote. Republican, like all the Democrats who are making fun of Republicans right now can STFU. Because Republicans have it within them to dissent and to speak freely and to think freely. That's actually what that's that's the way we're knit together. That's the purpose of this country is to think freely and to speak out against powerful people that may or may not be corrupt. That's our obligation, actually. Democrats vote as a mindless Borg. Their followers are bleating sheep that do whatever they are told. They are herd animals. They're derivative. You do a a CT scan inside of a voting member of the Democrat caucus, and you will see nothing but a gray blob. No brain activity, no spiking, no sparking. When they even sniff out that like the squad is planning on voting against Pelosi, they crush them. There's no such thing as a squad. AOC has no power. She likes to preen and prance about as though she's some type of free thought. Boy, she gets in line when they crack that whip. And so does Bernie Sanders. Remember, Bernie Sanders had the great sin of running against Hillary Clinton, great sin against running against uh, Joe Biden. Bernie Sanders is going to win. Bernie Sanders won Iowa. Bernie Sanders won New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders was way on his way on his way to winning in 2020. He was on his way. The train was rolling. There was nothing stopping him. They knifed Bernie Sanders. They knifed him. There is no dissent allowed inside of the communist Borg, the Marxist Borg that is the Democrat Party. They're shameless. And so at the very least, Republicans, stand proud. Stand proud that you have people who dissent. And you have people who can argue and shadow box and throw a punch at our own leadership, which is so necessary in politics. And it's really nice to see what they are inspiring. John James from Michigan stood up and gave the best speech from the floor yet. And we were really inspired by it. John James is supporting Kevin McCarthy. And I think that Kevin McCarthy will be a much better speaker after going through this. And that many members of Congress will be able to see with greater clarity the biggest thing missing right now in American politics, which is that the elected leaders no longer represent us. We traded the yoke of Great Britain for our own aristocracy. We traded taxation without representation by a foreign power for taxation without representation from a domestic power, which is what we have right now. So shame upon us. And if our leaders in Washington, D.C. get uncomfortable for a couple days because we, the people, are making them uncomfortable, that's good. John James proves it. Listen. I'm a freshman. I've only been here for a couple days, but I've heard a lot of D.C. politicians tell me about how broken D.C. is 
I don't need D.C. politicians to tell me how broken D.C. is. The American people have already told us how broken D.C. is by giving Republicans the majority so we can fix this mess. We will counter the socialist movement of envy and confiscation with a conservative movement of access and opportunity. We will stand on the right side of history again. We will end the growth of government and we will stop 87,000 new IRS agents from picking through your pocketbooks. We will secure our energy independence. We will ban the sale of petroleum from our strategic reserves to China. We'll establish a bipartisan select committee specifically to keep our eye on the ball in China. We'll address the crisis at the border that's killing Americans by the day and improve both our safety and our nation and our dignity for those who come here in search of a better life. But not yet. We're still stuck at the starting block. The American people have told us by putting a Republican majority here that they want Republicans to lead and they want a government that works and doesn't embarrass them. And we are failing on both missions. That must change today. It will change. I'm a young parent. I have two children. I would gladly take 20 more if God gives them to me. So I love being a parent. And let me tell you something. Uh, when dad drops the hammer, you learn who's in charge. And a good father will reserve the angst and the pressure, the immense pressure of a spanking uh, for times when it is absolutely necessary. My father was a good father. Good old Howard Johnson III. That's my dad. And when you were on a road trip and you're in the back of the car and you're squabbling and slap fighting with your brothers and sisters, everyone knows this. And then your dad pulls the car over to the side of the road after repeatedly telling you to stop and then gets you out and paddles your butt on the side of the road. You learn who's in charge and you sit there whimpering. The car drives back and you sit there whimpering and crying and your lips quivering because you just got paddled. You just got told who's in charge. And it doesn't matter if you're older sibling. It doesn't matter if you're the middle sibling, younger sibling. You thought you were in control of that vehicle and your dad got you out and showed you who was boss. And that's what's happening right now to Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is getting spanked. This is embarrassing. He's getting spanked and being told that the people are in charge, actually. And that inside of a representative democracy, Kevin McCarthy can do his little slap fights with all his favorite lobbyist friends in the back seat. But the people are getting pulled, have pulled the vehicle over. That's what's happening right now. We have pulled Congress over. We have halted it on the side of the road. And we are paddling Kevin McCarthy right now. That's what's going on. And he is learning that we are in charge. And after this, I personally believe that Kevin McCarthy will probably win this thing. Um, and I believe that he will be a better man and a better, much better speaker because of what's happening right now. And we owe a debt of thanks and gratitude and not retribution or diminutive beta-like comments, calling them terrorists, enemies of the state, despicable neocons. They could ever only win a war, right? They could only ever win, win a war. And they can't. So they turn the weapons of war on their own party and their own people. That's what neocons are. Neocons are terrible. We say we, we disavow them and we dispatch them. And we say thank you to the 20 members of Congress who are paddling Kevin McCarthy right now on the side of the road. So needed. Thank you. He'll be a much better speaker for this in time. 
Or maybe Donald Trump will become speaker. <laughs> Joe Biden finally unveiled his plan for the border crisis. Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, Haitians, and Cubans will be rapidly expelled. Just 30,000 a month. Mexico will take back illegal crossers and migrants. They can mu- use mobile apps to set up appointments. That's right. So if you want to come into this country legally, you can use a mobile app. And you just press, like Uber. You just press, boom, boom. Uber Black right over the wall, okay? That's what happens. Uber Black comes in, they drop the uh, ladders down over the wall, and you can climb up over. Good job, Biden. Way to go. This is what it looked like yesterday. Secretary of Homeland Security Marcus will detail these actions very shortly after I finish at Homeland Security. But here's one significant step we're taking. Over the summer, we saw a huge spike in the number of Venezuelans traveling through, uh, through Mexico and attempting to enter the United States without going through our legal processes. We responded by using uh, and ensuring that there are two safe and lawful ways for someone leaving the country to come to America. That was one of the reasons you, uh, you were proposing. First, if they're seeking asylum, they can use an app on their cell phone called CBP1, O-N-E, CBP1, O-N-E. That's to spell it out, not the number one. To schedule an appointment at a port of entry and make their asylum claim there without crossing the border unlawfully and have a decision determined by an asylum officer, do they qualify? Oh, so you use an app. Oh, that's great. Oh, fantastic. So you're going to just use an app, just like our founders intended, to get into our country. That's how that's how rule of law should work. The people who want to break into our nation can just punch a button on an app. What a clown show. What a clown show. President Biden's immigration plan announced that he will be allowing 30,000 asylum seekers from Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Haiti into this country per month. Well, how do you even know these people are from those nations? Let me just ask that real quick. They always show up with no paperwork. I went down to the border. All you saw were identification cards, forged, fake identification cards from all these different countries. They show up with fake IDs. It's like a like an underage bar inside any college town. There's like nothing but fake IDs down at the border. You have no idea who the hell these people are. And that's the point, right? That's the point. Future Democratic voters, though. And that's all that matters. Otherwise, they'll be rapidly expelling them back to Mexico. LOL. No, of course they won't. In a lunchtime speech at the Roosevelt Room, Biden outlined a plan confirmed that he will be making the first border trip as president visiting El Paso, Texas on Saturday. I believe, yeah, Saturday. So tomorrow, uh, ahead of the Three Amigos Summit in Mexico. So Joe Biden going to the border for the first time in his entire 700,000-year political career. The announcement just Two days into 2023 comes after 2022 brought record numbers of migrants illegally crossing U.S. southern border. Republicans making uh, uh, making the mess one of their top midterm campaign issues. Biden explained that the cell phone app would now be used to streamline the immigration process. Oh, good. Another thing that the uh, cartels can get money for doing for these migrants who don't speak English. Migrants making asylum claims will have to download an app called CBP1 and make an appointment to break into America. The clown car, it rolls evermore towards the dumpster fire of which it will impendingly crash into. Speaking of clown car, uh, Joe Biden called Kamala Harris President Harris yesterday. Look at the pain inside of her eyes when he does this. She knows there are no lights on inside of his brain. Watch. I'm not being facetious. Well, President Harris led this effort, led this effort to make things better. Look at that. It's like a whispering angels ad. You see that? 
Look, uh, like whispering angels. The sadness, the pain, the like extreme shame that Kamala Harris of all people, Kamala Harris of all people, finding extreme shame in what they are doing to Joe Biden and having to actually save Joe Biden when Joe Biden's being asked about the number one political topic in the world right now, which is the speaker's race of the, for the House leadership for Republicans. Joe Biden was asked this very simple question. Hey, what you think of it, pal? Hey, what do you think of the speaker's race? You know, it's like the only thing anyone's talking about. And Joe Biden literally forgot how to speak the English language and needed to be saved by the night nurse, Kamala Harris there, on her way to change his bedpan. Watch. Thank you, Sophie. Sir. Are you, still are you still monitoring the speaker's race? Are you still watching the speaker's race? I'm following with great, uh, how can I say it? Attention. Attention. <laughs> not funny. Not funny. This is not funny. It's no longer funny. Kamala Harris having to remind Joe Biden the word attention. Hmm. That's good. Joe Biden went directly from there, sat in a wheelchair with a warm blankie on his lap, bowl of applesauce, heated exactly to 80 degrees, looking at the bluebirds as they ate out of the feeder and thinking about the good old times when he could dance the Charleston on the deck of the Titanic with Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Superman. Yes, yes, we have a very competent uh, administration. And if Republicans and when Republicans get their act together in the House, we look forward to them absolutely ripping this administration a new one. OK, th th these people are so weak. Joe Biden is not strong. Joe Biden is weak. The Joe Biden administration is deeply weak. They suck at everything that they do. They are deeply and totally unpopular. And the reason that I have been against Kevin McCarthy is because I am a uh, it's nothing personal. I believe in a meritocracy. He should have won 50 seats. By the way, if Kevin McCarthy had done his job and had won 50 seats, then he wouldn't be in this position. But he didn't win 50 seats, and neither did Romney McDaniel, and neither did McConnell, who I think deserves the, the most blame for all of this, uh, Mitch McConnell, who refused to spend money in Arizona or Nevada and only put money against Republicans in many, in many seats, like in New Hampshire and in Alaska. And so, yes— I believe in meritocracy and Kevin McCarthy doesn't deserve this based on meritocracy, based on the fact that he didn't win in a historically easy election for Republicans. He could not pull it off. And so that's my take. But run against Biden as fast as you can, please. Let's get back and run against Joe Biden as fast as you can. <clears throat> so Ron DeSantis is doing just that in the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis is starting his session and his uh, second term as governor inside of a absolute, absolute haymaker uh, towards woke universities here in the state of Florida. It is a beautiful order that he gave uh, the first day back in office with supermajorities now inside of the House and the Senate. DeSantis orders all Florida universities to report funds spent on diversity, equity, inclusion, and critical race theory as part of a manifesto for a citadel of freedom. Governor DeSantis wants Public Florida University to disclose all government funds spent towards programs, classes, and other initiatives related to diversity, equity, inclusion, and teaching of critical race theory. The memo sent Wednesday is part of DeSantis's efforts to zero in on education as a second term in governor. <clears throat> Florida's higher education system that received government funding from the state will have to 
complete a document with a comprehensive list of diversity and race-related programs that includes staff hired to teach and advise on these groups and these classes. So what happens is that they go and these these uh, college institutions take your tax dollars and then they plunge them, they pump them directly into Marxism and the predations upon your children and turning out and churning out little Marxists. That should not be allowed. That should not happen. And certainly tax dollars shouldn't go towards it. And so Ron DeSantis dropping the boom state uh, budget director Chris Spence and Department of Education Manny Diaz Jr., who's a rock star in the making here in the state and State University uh, uh, of Florida Chancellor Ray Rodriguez were all there at the announcements. Florida governor is requiring universities and colleges to provide a brief description of the program's activities, positions, including the full and partial funding spent to support the initiatives, the woke initiatives, and the deadlines for these materials is January 13th. Let me tell you what, I have some uh, very inside information as to what Ron DeSantis is planning on doing. I have not, and I will tell you when I hear this, I have not heard effectively that he is going to be running for president. I do not know that. I asked. I was just at his inauguration for two days. I was there at all the little balls and galas and all the little parties and all the little private things. My wife was at the governor's mansion for a private tea with the first lady. Um, I asked, no one was able to tell me directly, but everyone was very coy on his staff, meaning uh, the, that he's probably running, but, but nobody ever, nobody told me. Okay. Nobody gave me any, any like direct answer to that. What they did give me an answer to is that Ron DeSantis is not backing uh, down uh, and he's not going to moderate. He has no brakes. Train has no brakes here in the state of Florida that Ron DeSantis is planning on using his time as governor to essentially make the case or make the bulwark here in this state that this is the what does he call it? Citadel of freedom. Yeah. So Ron DeSantis is going to show how it's done here in the state of Florida. And I think if I were to guess, use that as his campaign shield as he goes into a 24 race. And so Ron DeSantis will be able to look at all these essentially line up his vision for America by using Florida as the laboratory, the testing grounds, the trial run. And so the first thing he's going to, he's really going to go hard at education systems. So he's going to go hard at education systems, hard at woke corporations. And Americans are sick of this. Americans have had a belly full of it. And so I think that he's, I mean, certainly going to accomplish what he needs to accomplish here in the state of Florida because he has super majorities. He can do whatever he wants. So run scared. Play by the rules or run scared. Disney learned that. The rat company learned that. Rat caught in a trap. Yeah, now Disney is going to lose billions in little tax leverages and freedoms that were given to them uh, because they tried to mess with Ron DeSantis. Uh, don't do it. It was the F-aroundest of times and the find-outingness of times. That's what the year 2022 was for us. Speaking of someone who is finding out right now and hopefully finding out very good news, Damar Hamlin. He's the NFL player that collapsed on the field, had a cardiac event on the field. Uh, praise God, he's alive and he's fu functioning. His eyes are open and, and so on. Um, we haven't been really covering the story because we wanted to. Yikes! It was like a, a like a, a terrifying thing to to watch. We, we we like essentially watched it live. My wife and I were out to eat. And when we don't have the kids with us, we sit at the bar. <laughs> and so we like are watching live and this is like horrifying thing to watch live. But ending with some good news, this player for the Buffalo Bills is alive. Here's what the doctors had to say. When he was communicating with us uh, last night and then again today, that's been in writing. 
And, uh, you know, to paraphrase uh, one of our partners, you know, when, when he asked, did we win? The answer is yes. You know, Damari, you won. You've won the game of life. Uh, and that's probably the most important thing out of this. And we really need to keep him at the center uh, of everything else that's going on. And we really want to ensure a good outcome for him. A lot of people have asked a lot of questions about this. Very strange for a 24-year-old to just collapse in the middle of the field, have a cardiac event. And my wife is a nurse, so she, you know, was watching this. And we watched, you know, you watch him get up, stand up. And so you know it's not a spinal thing. You know it's not a spinal cord injury or like a brain injury because he's able to stand up on his own power, right? So it's not like his spinal cord was severed. It's a cardiac event. And there's been a lot of this. So what's happening? Another reason to have a Republican organ in our federal government to do investigations into this. And I pray God that they do investigations into COVID-19, its origins, into all of it. Like there are so many questions and there are so few answers. And the greatest way to reconciliation is truth. And truth is something that we have to have. And so that's why we do this show. We must have truth. The only way to find out answers about why, why are healthy, I mean, healthy, healthy. I have had NFL players in my family, right? So I've had people, people in my direct family play for the NFL. Dude, you don't have healthier people than, than these, these individuals. They are the world's top athletes. And many of the world's top athletes are collapsing. So why? There is nothing wrong with skepticism. Skepticism is a prerequisite to truth. And so you must be skeptic and you must ask questions and you must find out the answer. And the only way to reconciliation is truth, actually. Agreed upon truth, true studies, true understanding of what we have done to uh, ourselves, our society, our culture, and then the correction. And so we pray for that correction. We will push for that correction. We will push uh, uh, for all Americans to live safe, happy, healthy lives. And we pray for Tamar Hamlin, who reading about like the charities he supports and stuff like that, he seems like a totally upstanding dude. 24 years old. Yikes. Why? Ask the questions, even if the answers make you uncomfortable. That's what we do on the show, and we promise you we will continue to do it. So please stay tuned. We will be bringing you the best of the best for 2024. And as you saw in this show, that race starts now. Donald Trump's already announced. John Bolton's in as of today. John Bolton's running. So now there's two people running for president. It's going to be wild. There's going to be haymakers. There's going to be absolute flamethrowers delivered. And we are in a perfect position to give you a ton of access, and we will bring you with us. We promise, because we love you. We love you, and we love the Salty Army, and we love the comment section, and we love every one of you. So let us bring you there. Stay tuned. Subscribe. Click like. Click share. Ring the bell. And let's do this thing, baby. Why do we do it? God, family, country. That's why we do it. God, family, country. Simple. God, family, country. Pretty obvious what drives us, what makes us go every day on the Benny Show. Keep memeing. Keep fighting. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. My name is Benny Johnson. This is the Benny Show.